five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to everything you need to know about music. Where I, Jason, am sitting with my friend Seth. Seth, say hello. Hello. And we are about to do something that I have been waiting to do specifically with you Uh-oh. since we started talking about doing this podcast. Yeah, nice. Because it fits you in three ways. One, the musicality of this person is spectacular, and I know that you will appreciate this person for the artist that they are. Yes. Two, you're a trumpet player. Well, well <laughs> no, stretch, but you're yes. a trumpet player. Yeah. And this person has a voice that when you get to see what this person does with their voice, you will identify it as a bit of a horn-like voice. Okay. And wow. three, because of what you do and the philanthropy work that you do and the right. charity stuff that you participate in, yeah. you are going to appreciate this person's story and the life of this person so much. I'm hooked. If I'm a so fish, I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> <laughs> so the person that we're going to do is Billie Holiday. Wow. Wow. The jazz queen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. I told you I love jazz, right? I, yeah. Yeah. We, 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 yeah. We talked about it yeah. a, a bunch of different ways about a bunch of different artists, yeah. but we never brought up her specifically. Yes, right. And so it's a story that when I heard it, and I've read a couple of different books that referenced her directly and indirectly, I couldn't believe it because it's so sad and bluesy and tragic mm-hmm. and yet uplifting and inspirational and motivational that it's just incredible. What I want you to, I'm going to play, I'm going to try to do this in three songs because okay. I'm telling you I will fail, but I'm going to try to do it in three songs because um, I'm going to need to play a couple of other things, maybe just some snippets of some things that I want you to hear, but... She had a voice that had no rhyme or reason. It, it, it was musically almost to the level of incorrect, where it doesn't make sense unless you know that it's her. Yeah. And I want you to think about that. It's this contralto voice, which is extremely low, like right. in the lower part of the register. Yeah. But the reason I picked it again for you is because if you watch the notes that she sings, yep. it's as if it's like a trumpet or a horn player. And from now going forward, now that I've learned this about yeah. her, I hear her voice as an instrument more than I hear it as someone saying something. So I just want to, I want to say that right hot in the beginning. That's, yep. All right. I'm intrigued. Born April 7th, 1915. Her real name is Eleonora Fagan. Okay. I'm just going to tell you that she dies at age 44 okay. in 1959. Yep. The story wow. I'm about to tell you about her life, I'm going to go kind of quick, but I need to say all of this stuff in her upbringing because then you'll understand even more about where the music kind of comes from. By the way, when you're saying 44, if there's people listening, like I know you've done some yeah. with, your, with, with the, your friend who's younger. 44 is young. Extremely I know if you're 21, young. that's I'm old. I'm 41. That's incredibly young. It's incredibly and young. Her body of work that I don't know that much about. That's, yeah. yeah. It's right, extremely go. young. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Her mom is Sadie Fagan. Her dad is Clarence Holiday. They think. Okay? So let's just start with that. Doesn't Go really ahead. know her dad. If you throw that in there. Okay. If I ever said that <laughs> to my dad, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Did my, this was my dad. There's got to be some <laughs> mental repercussions. No, Go ahead. That's, yeah. that's my point. Every one of the things I'm about to say, you're going to go. 
like thing after thing after thing is just this tragedy upon tragedy uh, upon tragedy. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. She, her father was a jazz musician and abandoned her at a very young age. They don't know exactly when. They think like one-ish, like really young. Her mother has to work on what are called these transportation jobs, which was like a, and I'm using air quotes, transportation jobs, which were like serving passengers on railroads. Okay. So where was this? Did you say where she was born? Uh, yeah. So she was born in Baltimore. Oh, okay. And grew oh, up in wow. the slums no of Baltimore. Kidding. All yeah. right. All right. So these transportation jobs that her mother would do, she would be gone for weeks upon months, just gone traveling the country. And so she was left to basically be brought up by anyone that was around, whether it be friends, relatives, neighbors, who, whoever. And she was abused badly by these people because they didn't want to deal with it. They didn't want to deal with her. At 10 years old, she's raped by a neighbor. Okay, and she was unsuccessful, like trying to fight, uh, fight her back. But luckily, her mother walks into watching this. She comes home from work, watching this, and they arrest the guy. The man is arrested and sent to prison. But Billy Holiday gets sent to this like reform school called the House of the Good Shepherd because she didn't have any proper guardianship, and so she was custody of the state. She was beaten by the nuns. They thought like she was just awful. Like it was just a, a horrible thing. They used to lo- they used to lock her in these rooms with the dead bodies overnight. Oh. I mean, uh, horrible. It's like literally a nightmare of mine. Li- that, right, that's right. Actually, yeah. nightmares I've had. Yes. And they oh. would say that when they, they'd be asked because the state would come and like actually you know ask for updates and stuff, they they would blame her. No, she would bring this upon herself. She's right. an awful like the whole nine. And this is the 1920s, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, she gets released at 12 because the lawyer was able to get a writ of habeas corpus, which is basically like you're, you're uh, detaining this person unlawfully. She actually got more time in custody of the state than the man that raped her in prison. Like, he got less time than she did, okay? She comes home from, from being in this horrible place to find her mother working in a brothel. So... Billy starts working in the brothel, too, running errands and scrubbing these, like, marble steps, which was very famous to the Baltimore area. A lot of the homes would have these big marble, like, uh, stoops and staircases and stuff. So she starts working there. But it was here that she started hearing the music of the day, like Louis Armstrong and Bessie Smith and a bunch of these people. And it really kind of struck her, like, what is this stuff? And it it just implanted in her brain. So it's kind of started there. This is 1927, okay? Hmm. 1928, her mother just decides to leave and goes to New York City and leaves her in Baltimore to go to Harlem. 1929, Billie Holiday goes to join her mother, leaves Baltimore by herself, okay? She's 14. She leaves by herself and joins her mother and starts working at the same brothel, okay? In Harlem now? Yeah, okay? She becomes a prostitute also, and within a few months of working there, not technically yet even 14, the house gets raided, and Billy is found guilty of sex trafficking for $5 with a client, and she and her mother get sent to prison. So she was also... <laughs> okay. So she was... This is four, she's 14 years old. Like, I have a 12-year-old, and I'm thinking to myself, 14, this is what... She's yeah. been through thus yeah. far, right? Unbelievable. So her and her mother get sent to this work 
camp, this like this prison uh, on Roosevelt Island, which Roosevelt Island at the time, if you know, if you know Manhattan, if you look at yeah. an aerial photo yep. of Manhattan, there's a little sliver between Manhattan and Queens. It's two miles long and about 800 feet wide. It's this tiny little it's island. It's a park now. It is, but there's people that live there. There's still some hospitals there. And at the time, wow. it was called Welfare Island. Wow. Because it was used for hospitals, um, mental health places, like people that needed welfare. They'd kind of ship them off to this little sliver. And it was all um, ferries, right? Correct. I mean, there's no bridges. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's still a ferry and there's a subway. That's it. There's no yeah. roads. You can't get there. There's no bridges. Still. It remained... Welfare Island until 1973, where it was renamed after Franklin D. Roosevelt, even because it was supposed to be like a, a memorial built, but it was never built for him. So it's called Roosevelt Island, but it's, you know, it, there's nothing there for him. It has a really cool history because um, there was a lot of uh, doctors and, and prisoners that are famous to it. Like Mae West actually spent some time there for obscenity charges because she was, you know, like kind of really provocative for the day. Some Nazi spies were actually held there. No um, Charles Dickens described the asylum for the mentally ill in one of his books. Uh, also, Nellie Bly, huh. uh, who is the author of um, Around the World in 72 Days, spent 10 days undercover at the Women's Lunatic Asylum there and then wrote a book about it. Kofi Annan uh, lived there. Buddy Hackett lived there. And Sarah Jessica Parker was born there. No. Yeah. What? Yeah. Mm. On the yeah. island. Wow. Because there's, a, there's actually people that live there because they say it has the best views of the city. Think That's about it. You're looking so at all funny. the most beautiful right. buildings. It's a right? Location's great. Yeah. So I want you to think about this. So she's working at this prison, this work camp, oh, with her there. mother. Because she's arrested, she's working there now. Yeah, gotcha. right? Yep. With her mother. How much pain and agony do you have to go through? You're raped, you're a prostitute, you're beaten, you're like your, your mother. No, I mean, this is up till 14. She's 16 years old and she gets out and she's like, what am I going to do with my life? So she, I just wanted to quickly go through all of that to say that's the formative years of her life. That's what she's been through. How much art comes from that kind of right? That kind you, of despair or that kind of experience, right? That you you now have something you can, especially. I mean, we're talking about the blues, especially the blues. Right, and jazz. but that, I said yeah. all of that, and you notice I haven't played one song yet, right? Because I right. think you'll hear the music differently now. Yes, I appreciate right? that. Okay, yeah, thank you. So let's get into the music. Yep. She gets out of prison. She starts working at some nightclubs in Harlem, and she decides to take the stage name of Billy. Uh, Holiday after Clarence Holiday, they think that's her dad. Billy, which was one of the actor, famous actresses, Billy Dove at the time, she put the two together. Billy Holiday. So, song number one. Okay, chronologically, I'm going to try to do some of this so to see the best I what can. What year is this? Do you know? This is 1935. 35. Now, so stock market drops. Yep. We're in 29 crash yep. happens, and we're in the, the depression. 1935. Yep. Now she is a black female, black female singer with that past, and decides to start singing. She has no formal training. She has never been taught how to do any of this. All she has heard is from scrubbing the marble steps of these homes in Baltimore. Music coming off the record player, which is. If you've ever heard an old phonograph, okay, with the with the the big horn that comes out, right? It's a screechy, high treble, like very uh, very compressed kind of a sound. Like it's when when you hear music off of that, it sounds a certain way. And by the way, 
there's no volume knob. You know where this. You know where the. When right. you think about it, it's it's just the record needle. That's when the when the when the um, they, when they would want to lower the volume, the expression "put a sock in it." That's where it comes from because you'd put a sock in the hole to lower the volume. That's great. Yeah. So I want you to think about all of this. All she's heard are these horns and jazz uh, players, and so she says, "Okay, I'm gonna sing like that." So I'm gonna start. With one of my favorites. Let me play this. Yeah. It's almost 100 years ago. Yeah, I mean, right. Think about that. And it's still, I, I'm, I'm about to hear, I, I know I'm sure it's still relevant. Yeah. No, right. total, totally yeah. relevant. Um, but again, rem- remember where she came from. Yeah. No formal training. Yeah. All of the background stuff. Doesn't really know her dad. Being raped, being, ha- having to work with all of this stuff and on and on and on and on. Okay? If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen, listen, listen to where she goes with this. Do you hear the horn in her voice? One hundred percent. Right. If you were to wow. play that on your trumpet, those are the notes you'd play. <laughs> and that's what it would kind of sound like. like. Good, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets huge. People just start to fall in love with that voice because it's a so sound. That comes out. Things. People hear it and they love it. She starts touring with Count Basie. She joins Artie Shaw's group and is the first female singer to ever tour. With an all-white wow. band. Wow. Yeah. Now, is she still in, in New York at this time? In New time? York, in Harlem. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to start there, just so that you can get kind of an idea of where, where, where your, this foundation came from. What do you do from? when you listen to that? I'm curious. For, for Me? You personally. Yeah. I, I just close my eyes, and I could, I could sit by a fire and, and put that on and just... Yeah. Close my eyes and just so relax. to me, for some reason, and I don't know if it's just because I've read some things about her and what it sounds the way that the '30s sounded. Yeah, to me, like I close my eyes and I see for some reason everything's in black and white. Yes, when I listen to her. Yeah, and there's tragedy, but there's beauty in the pain. Kind of tragedy when I listen to her. I don't know why that is. There's pain in her voice. Like there's so that's, much pain. That in sounds that voice. so lame and and hokey, but there is. So much pain. Listen to this real quick. This, this, I just, this is where you're gonna. I'm gonna start to get off off track a little bit. But you're <laughs> you're, you're gonna do this to me. Just give me give I'm me sorry, twenty I seconds. No, no, I love yeah, it. Yeah. Give me ten. These songs usually had much more instrumentation than they did vocals because that was a big. It was the big band era. So the bands were bigger than the singer. The singer was almost there as part of it. Interesting. You know, it was the, it was that era. It was it was more about the musicians and the band leader than it yeah. was the singers. And and if you see it live, that makes sense. When you hear it back now, you go, "Whoa, the voice is what's carrying." What it. a little moonlight well, can do. The song live, we just played yeah, has yeah. the first minute is all instrumentation. She's got maybe another forty five seconds to a minute of a verse, and then it fills with instrumentation. Wow. That's not the way music is wow. now. Right, right, right. Like look, look, look at where we are. This this song has been nothing but instruments thus yeah. far. And that's why a bit more of her voice is an instrument rather than her telling stories. Yeah. Right? And I scatting. I mean, that, you yeah, know. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But for some Not reason, when she... she but it, it makes sense that that's why it would be popular. And when she sings, though, I just... 
I don't know how her voice just for some reason sounds a certain way, makes me feel a certain way. There are voices that do that. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge Louis Armstrong fan. Yeah. And his voice does that too. Now he sure. can play the heck out of a trumpet too, but listen to that. Tingling yes. piano in the next apartment. Those stumbling words that told you what my heart meant. Awesome. All right, I'm going to leave it there. That's that. not even my song number two. Everywhere she goes, though, this shroud of bluesy tragedy, for some reason, just follows her everywhere. Song number two came out in 1941. It's called Gloomy Sunday. Okay, Gloomy Sunday is a song composed by a Hungarian pianist. And it has been considered to be what's called nowadays the suicide song. Uh, because more oh. people have committed suicide to this song or have cited the, the, that this was being played during the time in which they decided to commit suicide. Yeah. Well, let's turn this one on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Let's, let's get it going. In January 1968, 35 years after the guy wrote the song, he committed suicide oh. himself, okay? There was at least 19 suicides in both Hungary and the United States with Gloomy Sunday, which what? is the name of the song, being played. And the BBC banned Billy's, Billy Holiday's version from being broadcast until 2002. What? Yes. 2002. This song. I mean. 60 years. It became almost like an urban legend and with all the radio networks of the day banning the song. And it was great for her career because everybody Dude. was like, "Did you do you know about this? Oh, it was almost like bad press is great press for her right. to this song. So song number two, because it was so big, I got to play. I get it. Sunday. When you said, I need to hear it. You know, people are committing suicide to it. I need, well, I need to hear it. Yeah, now. right. Yeah. I mean, I might. Right? You're know, like, I want to know what's going on. I will, but I want to know what's making people no, kill right. themselves. Yeah. But, but also, I want you to remember it's a trumpet. Listen to her voice. You wouldn't say that's a beautiful that's like a voice. I see. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, isn't that crazy? All right, I'm going to leave that there because I got, I got other stuff I really want to care about. All right, wow. so although that because of this, she crazy. becomes huge, like huge. She bought her mother a diner in New York City because she was start, starting to make money. And Billie Holiday was into, I, I don't think it's a secret, so much drug use, alcohol abuse. I mean, anything to numb the pain of what she went through her entire life. But she had it really, really bad. Yeah. And it became something that totally overtook her life, which we'll get to. She would stumble into her mother's diner, and she would you know, beg her mother for money so that she can go and, and buy drugs. And her mother and her would get into these massive fights. And one time, her mother yelled at her, God bless the child that's got his own. And Billie Holiday was with one of her uh, band leaders. And he goes, like, what, what did you say? And so she repeated the line, and he ended up writing one of her biggest songs, which is God Bless the Child. She becomes 
an enormous, enormous artist. Just listen to that voice. So the Bible said, and it still is news. Mama may have, Papa may have, but God bless the child that's got his own. So she comes out with. Go ahead, sorry. No, 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 I'm sorry. That's Erica Badu. Right. I mean, you you close your eyes and. yeah. History is repeating itself a little bit, but that that story is that crazy. Really good, yeah. She comes out with "God Bless the Child," tenderly, summertime, east of the sun, west of the moon. I've got my love to keep me warm. I mean, I, I, I could play every one of these songs, and they're fantastic. Ain't misbehaving, American mm. standard songs, okay? That are now considered jazz classics, jazz standards. But when she came out with them, they were just like you know, brand new songs. There were no, like, charts at the time. There's no billboard. Think about it, right? Right, right, right. Why do I care how much it may I mean, just beautiful songs. And for her to be a black woman making these songs was a very big deal. I mean, it wasn't. It, no one else was really doing it. I mean, this was this was uncharted territory right. for her. She's in and out of really bad relationships, abusive lovers. Again, tons of drug use. These guys aided her in her drug use, took advantage of her, took her money, like they were druggies themselves, and on and on and on. I mean, they mooched money from her. It was just. It was. It was a really bad situation. Song number three. I'm very excited for this for you. <laughs> In 1939, in a midtown Manhattan hotel, Billie Holiday walks on stage and sings for the first time this song. This is called Strange Fruit. Yes. Do you know this song? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. I need to hear, I don't know All if right. I know her version. The song? I know Nia Simone. Oh, version. okay. Okay. Yep. yep. So, so, so I don't know she Billie did Holiday's it first. Version. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, meaning Billie Holiday did it yes, first. Yes, yes, shame on me. Right, The right, song go ahead. is about lynching of black men yes. in the Deep South and hanging and swinging from trees like yep. strange fruit. It's, go ahead, yes. At this time, it was unbelievably challenging for a woman to sing a song like this. 39, right? 1939. Wow. Okay, she wasn't even allowed to walk through the front door of the hotel she sang this at. She had to walk through the service entrance. Where's she woman. singing this at? New Think, York? Yeah, Chicago? Midtown New York. Yeah, yeah. Midtown New York. That night, she gets a warning from someone to not sing this song ever again. Okay? We'll come back wow. to that for just a second. Yeah. Okay. They had to record this. Um, Columbia wouldn't record it, so they had to record this on the Commodore label in April of 1939 because Columbia was worried that all the white audiences would never touch this. Got her into so much trouble. Wow. But this was this anti racism song yeah. and this gut wrenching. I mean, it's just. Blood at, the blood at the roots. I mean, the, the, the words are incredible. But she said that singing the song made her feel powerful, made her feel strong, that she was this American woman that could sing whatever the hell she wanted to sing. And you just you said words that were so poignant right over the, what she said black bodies swinging. Yeah. And, and 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, remember, we're 1939. Yeah. You play this today. Everyone's like, no. By the way, lynchings are still happening yeah, back then. It's, cr- like, it's like, right. It's exactly. Near the end of, uh, it's nowhere near civil rights even. So this is coming like all around all these songs. She, her, she's starting to get famous. Her background, all this stuff. People want to see this. They want to hear her. And so her manager drew up some rules. He would say, Billie Holiday would always close her sets with this song. The waiters would have to stop all service in advance. The room would be in complete darkness except for a spotlight right on her face. And there would be no encore. After this, she left. That's how she ended her set. She would stand there with her eyes closed as if she was just praying, like invoking a prayer. Would sing this song and walk off. That's unbelievable. That's powerful that for the day, power. right? 19, this 1939 song was included in the National Recording Registry. Uh, 1999, Time Magazine named "Strange Fruit" as the best song of the century, which I found incredible. Really, because of how powerful it was and what it started, yes. even though she didn't know that it started. Strange Fruit, the yeah. title itself. Isn't that crazy? 2002, the Library of Congress uh, honored it as one of the top 50 recordings ever. Uh, and the New Statesman said it was the top 20 pl- best political song ever, which is it, just incredible. Absolutely incredible. But here's what I really want to get to. During, the to. during this time, we have to kind of talk about this guy named Harry Anslinger. He okay. is the guy that warned her to never sing this song again. Harry Anslinger was this government official who was the U.S. Treasury Department Bureau of Narcotics. Real quick, just to, yeah. to make an obvious statement. He's a white guy, yeah. Anslinger. That's probably like a German dude. Yeah. I mean, not, yeah. that doesn't yeah. matter. So I'm just yeah. trying to... Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm trying he to He served it. for 32 years at this position as the head of the Narcotics Bureau under Hoover, Roosevelt, Truman, Eisenhower, and Kennedy. Wow. Now, the book called Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari is incredible, which is where I've learned some of this stuff about her, which I'm about to tell you, okay? This guy, Harry Anslinger, is the reason that our culture looks at drugs and addiction the way that we do quite a bit. He is responsible for it. He is the guy who coined the phrase, war on drugs. And he was two things, okay? He builds this war on drugs for his Deep hatred of African Americans and yeah. hatred of yeah. people that had any addiction problems. Yeah. Okay, and of course, Billy Holiday was both. So he joined. He starts this anti-marijuana campaign with William Randolph Hearst, the newspaper guy. Okay, and in 1930, they go to this massive yellow journalism that was called, which was kind of like half truths where they would take some, something that would happen, but then twist it to make it kind of fit to what the narrative they wanted to tell was. And the incident that they used actually took place in Tampa, Florida, by this guy, Victor Lycarda. And he was this young guy who ended up with an axe murdering all of his family. And yeah. they said that he did it because he was high on marijuana. Okay. He wasn't. They made that up. And they actually made up about 200 other stories like this. Was and he inebriated at all? Do we know? He was psychotic. It was just, he just was had just mental, psych- health, mental issues. health issues. Wow. Exactly. So they have now undone and looked through all of these files and have found that they had basically created about 200 of these kinds of stories. And in the wake of this, 
banned marijuana because of it. And mainly because prohibition beforehand was so unsuccessful right. that he really wanted to make a name for himself as this new guy ahead of narcotics, Henry, Harry Enslinger. So he decided, I'm going to go after drugs, specifically marijuana. So all of the ban on cannabis and all of it is because of this guy. No kidding. Yeah. So at that point, he looks at Billie Holiday and sees her singing Strange Fruit, sees her knowingly addicted to heroin, abuse of all this. Black woman. Exactly. And sets out to totally destroy her. So he hires a black uh, uh, agent named Jimmy Fletcher to follow her around because he couldn't do it himself. He wouldn't blend in in Harlem, right? He wouldn't make it. So he ends up hiring this guy and following her around, and he does. And Fletcher would carry large amounts of drugs on him and basically sell or provide Billie Holiday with really? drugs. Yes. And so but one day Billie Holiday's at her apartment. He comes knocking on the door. She's like, just slide the stuff under the door. He's like, no, 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 it's too big. Like, open the door. And they bust her. Oh, my gosh. So they come in and they bust her. We're talking heroin. All of it. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. Tons yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he ends up falling in love with her. Jimmy Fletcher ends up falling in love with her. With Billie Holiday. With Billie Holiday. Yeah. And it's crazy. He's like, I'm so sorry. And she ends up like, you know, whatever. I like hate she, this guy. Totally. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> she gets arrested for possession. And it, she said it was felt like the United States of America versus Billie Holiday because that's, it was just like everyone was against her. She couldn't, she couldn't really you know, do anything. During the trial, her lawyer wouldn't even defend her. The, yeah, the prosecuting attorney basically had to stick up for her to say... This woman is like... Why wouldn't her lawyer defend her? He, they were all in it. They, they were, were all in, in on yeah, it. Yeah, they were yeah. all against her. I mean, do you, I, I don't know if you know anything that you've read. Is, is it race-related? Is it just... Yeah, the, all wow. of it. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, all of it. Yeah. The yeah. district attorney spoke up in her defense and saying, if you're, your honor, she's a drug addict. Uh, she's a professional entertainer, and she, she just she needs help. So they sentence her to, a again, a federal prison camp for 18 months. She gets out of prison... And Harry Anslinger then says, uh, basically set out to destroy her. So he won't give her her cabaret card. Because back in the day, in order to, to, in order to perform in uh, nightclubs, you needed a cabaret card. He wouldn't give her one. Yeah. So he took away what she, like her uh, ability to actually do yeah. what she loved. So yeah. she had to go around in different parts of the country that would let her sing. And it just, she started to really abuse drugs and really, it just really came to grips with her. So it was, it was awful. One day in New York, she collapses and goes into massive withdrawals. So she goes into the hospital and Anslinger basically cuffs her to the bed, won't give her the methadone that she needs in order to beat heroin. And 10 days later, she just dies. No in her kidding. Bed. Yep. It's awful. Dies at age 44 with 70 cents in the bank. Ugh. I mean, just one of the most amazing, tragic, horrible stories. Now, in comparison, I had no idea. In comparison, yeah. Judy Garland, you know, from The Wizard of Oz, yep, yep. was also addicted to heroin. Yeah. And he goes and says, listen, you just need to just, like, take some longer vacations before pictures. You understand? The same saying? doofus goes to, this, right? goes to Judy Garland. Yeah. She's white. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, gives her a pass, recommend, recommends this is what you need to do, literally goes out and destroys Billie Holiday. And it, this happens not just to these famous people, but so many black 
and so many jazz singers, so many people that are that have these addictions. Yep. But think about her upbringing. Think about where she came from. Think of the tragedy and all of this. It's just incredible. And so this poor lady was destroyed tragically, like so much of her her music conveys. Yeah. At age forty four, and she dies. My mind is blown by that blown. for a number of reasons. So, how many? Do you know how many albums she was featured on? If she, because like you hear the name and it's it's it, it, it's funny because she didn't make albums per se. The yeah. way that they did it back in the thirties, like they would release a seventy eight, which is like a forty five or like yeah. a single. Yeah, and there would be like an A side and a B side. Yeah, they wouldn't really come out with a full album. She did later in life when she tried to get her kind of stuff back together. But it was, it was a lot of just jazz standards. It's tough to actually say how many, you know, uh, studio recordings that she did. Right. But it was difficult because as a black female yeah. singer, they would write most of the songs for white men yeah. or white female. They would be, what would happen is she would get a lot of the crap songs, yeah. but her voice made them jazz standards. Right. It was funny because when you think about it, some of the songs that she sang, they're not that great. Like, they're simple songs, but the way that she sings it, they're fantastic because they were given to her kind of like, here, have this. These are crap songs. Do what you can with them. Crazy. Though, Isn't that nuts? What, what would have happened had she lived 10 more years even? Right? Think about that. Yeah. It's, pretty, it's pretty incredible. So I wanted to tell you that because her voice is so unique. It's so special, and it's almost like an instrument. And yeah. now that you hear it, I think you're going to hear the pain. Yeah. The agony. But you'll also hear where she got it from. She plays it like I think a trumpet yeah. plays. A horn plays. Go ahead. It's her is her big is Strange Fruit. Is that the song? You think? It's definitely one of the songs. Yeah. I feel like there's others that um Oh totally. I, I mean like, I, listen, there's, there's, there's so much so, I know of her, but there's so many jazz standards that I could play for you. Okay? That... I should play, and they're beautiful songs. Songs that were done by so many musicians of the day. Like this. They can't take that away from Don't me. You just turn down the lights and yes. grab a stiff drink. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, you need to have a suit on. You need to have a hat. Yeah. Like, you need to have a scotch. You need to have, like, it's all in black and white. I don't know if it's a male thing, but it, would a female, maybe it's both genders. Would they have the, with the long cigarettes yes, with the thing? Right? Yeah. I don't. I don't know if that's a... Yeah. You know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I do. I don't think a guy does that. <laughs> but maybe I roll my own cigarettes, and I'm, I need to... Right? Something. But listen. Come on. No, no, they can't take that away. Now, if I were to play, and I should have set this up, and I'm sorry that I didn't. If I were to play Louis Armstrong's version of this song, where he plays the trumpet to it. Yeah, yeah. It sounds exactly the way that she sings it. It's the you same know, note. It's so funny. Since you mentioned, like, compared her voice to a trumpet, it, you're right. right. And now, now I'm hearing it. I am hearing it differently. Right. And there's that tragedy there. You yeah. can tell this is not a happy lady. Right? Right. Yeah. The way we dance totally. Thanks for you, that. I'll give you one more. Appreciate it. This that. is called You Go to My Head. Again, these were big band sounds that... Mostly the instrumentation was focused on, but when you added her to it, it added something other songs didn't have. And you linger like a haunting refrain. Come on, why and does music make you feel that way? What, right? what is it? The phrasing that she has makes you feel a certain like way. Yes. The way that she says it, she's not singing. That's not singing. What? Right. Take her vocals out. 
It's a good song. If someone else sang the song, which, by the way, many people cover a lot of these songs that you would know, they sound different. They sound simple. Her, there's pain in it. There's something there. Think about that with, um, oh, man, um, Brittany Howard from uh, Alabama Shakes. Yep. Yeah. Something about her voice just... Yeah. I could hear a lot of people sing those songs, but... There's something about that voice. Very good point. Let me play for you a song that I know that you will know, but when you hear it from her version, I think you go, oh, okay. And this is one of her very popular songs. This is Summertime. Uh, and I'll leave you with this. But listen to this. You've heard that song. Yep. Been done a million times. Right? Maybe Her version's million, clearly different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, your dad is rich and your ma is good looking. And it's not the background band. No. They sound good. No. They sound good. I no. mean, there's like, I see, I hear the clarinet, I hear the horns. I. That voice is something oh, different. crazy. It just hits me a certain way. And then after learning everything that she went through and all the things, to still be able to stand up on that stage and go, I'm going to sing this song. Yeah. I know that I'm not supposed to and everyone's against me, and everyone, but I'm going to do it. That's strength. That's like yeah. perseverance. This lady had something. Was there anything in her in her background childhood that gave her the strength you can think of? No, I don't know how she made it through yeah, that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Any one of those things uh, under other circumstances would have cr- had another person just totally crippled and collapsed by. But Maybe it's the compilation of everything that made her that strong. Could be. Yeah. Could be. But <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. All right. I wanted to do that for you. I thought you would Man, not only appreciate it. the story, but understand who she was a little bit better and hear the music a little yes. bit differently. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Awesome. All right, well, we will leave it there, and uh, we will see you next time.